Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good. I'm uh, glad to have you this morning. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. First of all, I just want to piggyback on what Pastor Jason said about uh, giving. I just, I'm so grateful for such a generous church. AJ, you can come on up. Give it up for AJ. He's embarrassed. He helped me out. Thank you, AJ. Appreciate it. Um, I just want to, I just want to say, like, I'm so grateful to be a part of su- such a generous church. Your, your tithes, your offerings are what make this church uh, continue to be able to go. Uh, we don't get funded by, like, the state or any, like, angel donors or anything like that. It's like us. We take care of it. Thank you so much for your generosity and, and giving to the mission of Anchor. Um, we are in a series called Least, Last, Lowest. And in week one, we talked about the fact that we are called to serve. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. If you call yourself a Christ follower, you are a servant. That's, it's, in, it's in us. It's who we are. And last week, uh, the, the, the message was titled, Called to Serve My Family. And we learned that your family is your very first ministry. And, and that's where ministry begins, is at home. Well, today the title of my message is Called to Serve the Church. But before I dive into the scriptures, I want to share uh, a story with you. Um, when I was in high school, I played football. Uh, now, that's not news to most of you. Uh, I t- talked about it a lot, and I will continue to talk about it many, 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 many more times because I love football. Um, but I played football. I was a three-year varsity starter. Uh, I took it very seriously. I was committed to doing anything I needed to do to win. Um, I was committed to weight training. I wanted to get bigger, faster, and stronger. Like I changed my body so I could be good at football. I was committed to cardio conditioning because I wanted to increase my stamina. I committed time outside of games, outside of practice so that I could watch game film so that I could learn the game better. All of my friends were uh, really, you know, they, they were all football players and they were really committed. Like my whole life revolved around football when I was in high school. But on every football team, there's always a faction of, of guys. Now, some factions are larger than, another, than, than others, but there's always a faction of guys on every football team that they, they're on the team, but they just don't care. They don't care about the team. They don't take care about being a part of like, you know, playing the game or anything like that. They're just a part of the team. And they don't know why they're on the team. Nobody knows why they're on the team. The coaches don't know. The teammates don't know. Like, they don't know why they're there, but they're there. They're taking up space, they, but they don't care. They don't, they don't care to be involved, but they, they want to be a part of the team. Well, when I played, there was a kid on, on my team that was like that. His name was Steve. And uh, Steve looked like a football player, not, not Steve Chantry. Sorry, Steve. Like, don't, don't get offended, okay? Like, it has nothing to do with you, I promise. Um, uh, Steve looked like a football player. Like, he was big. He was muscular. He moved like a football player. He was fast. He was agile. Like, he, he looked the part, right? And if it looks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? Not in this case. When it came to playing football, Steve was not interested at all. He... He didn't want to play. Um, he, uh, he was athletic, but he was kind of a pretty boy, and he wasn't interested in getting hit. So Steve, during practice, he would kind of stand around, and he would kind of sip on water, and he would occasionally be, be a part of the positional, like individual positional drills. Um, 
But any chance he got to hit someone or catch a ball or like scrimmage or something like that, he was out. He declined. He stood on the sideline and always watched. And my coach, I remember my coach would refer to these type of people as spectators in the game of life. And Steve was definitely that. He never wanted to get involved, but he proudly proudly wore his letterman jacket that had the word football stitched in big letters on the back. Proudly wore it every single day. Even when it was cold, he's wearing his letterman jacket with football on the back. He wanted everyone to know he was on the team, but he wanted to be involved as little as possible. He wanted everyone to know he was on the team, but he wanted to be involved as little as possible. Have you ever known anybody like Steve? Maybe you work with somebody like Steve. They love the benefit that comes with being a part of the organization or they love the perks that comes with the title or the position they hold. But when it comes to being all in at the job, they're, they're not really interested in that. They don't want to be all in. They, they do as little as possible to get by. And you, you see that and it, 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 you feel cheated. You feel cheated because you're given everything you got. You see that and you feel cheated because everybody else is given everything they got, but they're kind of skating by because they don't really care. It makes you frustrated. It can make you mad because everybody else is working to try to advance this thing, and they're just, they're just in it for the perks. They're just in it for the benefits. Maybe you've experienced that before at work. Or maybe you know someone who's been in a romantic relationship like this. You see one person who's all in and they're committed and they're bending over backwards to try to make this thing work. And then you see the other side. The person, they don't really care. They're indifferent. They're apathetic about it. They, you know, take it or leave it. And they're just in it for what they can get out of it. And when, when they stop benefiting, then they kind of throw it away to the side. Like, that can leave people like psychologically damaged. That can leave people emotionally damaged. It can leave people jaded and cynical. It's, it's, it's not a good thing, right? Unfortunately, after 20 years in ministry, I've seen this type of thing far too many times inside the church. Far too many times inside the church. People who, who want the benefit of being associated with the church, they want the the, the um benefit of having the reputation of going to church, but they're not all in. They don't care to get involved in what's going on. They, they, they're not um, committed to playing a role and actually getting in the game. And that lack of commitment, it can hold everybody, everybody back, or at least it can, it can slow the progress everybody's trying to make. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? What what is our commitment level supposed to be to the church? Why is it supposed to be that way? Where do we even start with this like going all in thing as far as church? Because it's not just about coming and sitting in a seat every week. It's about getting involved in the life of the church. Where do we even start? Today I want to look at what the scriptures have to say about all of this. But before I dive into the scriptures, pray with me this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And I just pray, God, today that it would, it would pierce through everything and get to my heart. It would pierce through everything and get to our heart today, God. I don't want this to just be another, another Sunday where we come and go through the motions. God, I want to experience your truth and I want to be changed from the inside out. Holy Spirit, you're invited here today. Have your way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on to Acts chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1 and then just bookmark it. We'll come, we'll come to Acts 6 in a little bit.
but I want to go over some of the verses that, um, that have been uh, anchoring <laughs> this series. Um, so go to Acts 6 and bookmark it, and, but I'm going to start in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 48. Now, this is the words of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. It says this. And then he said to, the, to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. And now it's mirror verse in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now remember, Jesus made these statements after many, many instances of him serving other people. He healed deaf people. He healed blind people. He healed a woman with an issue of, of bleeding for many years. He um, uh, raised people from the dead. He fed 5,000 people with a couple of uh, loaves and, and some fish, and he fed 4,000 people with the same. Like, Jesus modeled servanthood for his disciples, and now he's saying, if you're my disciple, you need to serve too. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, and whoever makes himself high will be made low, and whoever makes himself low will be made high. This low and high is, is um, it's a humility and pride discussion. It's a humility and pride discussion to, um, to talk about these uh, this verse in these terms would be to say, whoever's proud will be shamed and whoever's humble will be honored. That's basically what Jesus is saying. This is the direct reference to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. It says, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Jesus, in this moment, in, in Matthew 23, uh, the Pharisees are listening to him and, and he's speaking to them. He's, he's speaking their language because they're all about the clout. They're all about the titles and the, the position, but they don't want to serve anybody. And Jesus is speaking directly to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And then the, the, the crown point, um, the crown point of, of, of these verses that, that we've been going over, Mark chapter 10 Verse 43 through 45, again, the words of Jesus. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. To give his life. The least, the last, the lowest. You want to be great? Awesome. Jesus wants you to be great. He celebrates it. He wants you to be great. But greatness in the kingdom of God doesn't look like greatness in the world. Greatness in the world is accumulating as much stuff as you can. Greatness in the world is gaining, gaining as much clout as you can. Greatness in the world is all about power. It's all about fame. Greatness in the kingdom of God is the opposite. It's all about giving. Greatness in the kingdom of God is about um, it's, it's about putting others before yourself. It's about directing all glory to God. Jesus is trying to shift our perspective of what greatness actually is. Again, in week one of our series, we talked about we're called to serve. It is in our DNA. It's who we are. And last week, we began the discussion of who we're called to serve. And we, we talked about uh, it, it starts at home. Your family is your first ministry. But that's just where it starts. It doesn't end there. It starts at home. It doesn't end at home. Today I want to talk about 
after our family? Who are we called to serve? Much like last week, I have one central thought that I want to unpack today, and that central thought is this. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Let me say it again. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Again, like our first week and and like last week, I want to remind you what the word ministry actually means. The word, so when we hear ministry, we think of like preaching or teaching, that kind of thing. And, and those, those things are ministry. But ministry just means serving. It just means to serve. It means service. Everyone has a role to play in the service of the church. Not everyone's ministry, though, is the same. Not everyone's service is the same. But we're all called to the ministry of the church. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone has a role to play. And the... Bible verse I had you guys bookmark is going to kind of show us that. So you can open it up to Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is uh, an account uh, of uh, the early church. Verse 1, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, really quickly, of all the believers. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, over 3,000 people were saved and became, part, became the church at Pentecost. Called a meeting of all the believers. Large church business meeting, right? So anyways, the, the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose seven men. It names the seven men. I'm not going to do that. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So in verse 2, it says, we apostles should spend our time preaching, teaching the word of God, not running a food program. This kind of sounds like the apostles are like downgrading or like trivializing the distribution of food. I need to make it very clear that's not what's going on. They're not, they're not like, like putting down that and elevating this. That's not what they're doing. Um, they're using a literary device to talk about the situation now. I say like this English term, like literary device, and not like before you like completely check out and like fall asleep, uh, stick with me, there's a point, okay? Um, this literary device is called um, a metonymy. And if you don't know what a metonymy is, we're gonna have a definition up on the screen, I think. Yeah, there you go. A figure of speech in which the name of an object or concept is replaced with a word closely related to or suggested by the original. Got it? God, okay, let me give you an example if you didn't get that like I didn't get that. So it's common for people ref- to refer to their car as their ride, right? My ride. Well, that's a, that's an, a, that's a metonymy, okay? It's, it's common for people to refer to a certain meal as their favorite dish. That's a metonymy. Um, it, it's, it's common f- uh, that when, when people uh, need uh, help with something, they ask, can you give me a hand? When they need assistance, they ask, can you give me a hand? That's a metonymy. That's what's going on here. They're just, there's a, 
they're, they're not putting down the distribution of food. They're just, they're, they're talking about it in a certain way. So what they're actually saying is we've been called to preach and teach the word of God. We haven't been called to occupy ourselves with financial and administrative matters. We've been called to preach and teach. We haven't been called to run the finances. We need to be able to focus on this. That's what they're saying. They're not, again, not downgrading or trivializing the distribution of food. They're just making a point. We're not called to that. We need people who are called to this. Every task is different and requires a different kind of preparation, but no task is greater than another task, in my opinion. No task is greater than another task, in my opinion. Again, they, every task is different, requires a different kind of preparation, but, but they're all important. I believe that, and so do the apostles in Acts. They don't see the distribution of food as, as less than the call to preach the word of God, but they understand that they have a specific role to play because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. This might be hard to come to terms with, <laughs> another metonymy, come to terms with, this might be hard to accept um, because maybe you don't believe that everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Or maybe you were taught, like, you just do your thing and you leave the ministry to the pastor, right? Like, Maybe that's what you were taught. If that's what you believe or if that's what you were taught, I'm sorry, it's incorrect. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. And the Apostle Paul, in my opinion, makes this clear again in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. In my opinion, these two verses make it very clear that everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Everyone. These are the words, again, of the Apostle Paul to, to the church in Ephesus. He says the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, they're gifts from God to the church. And then he tells us what the gifts are for. They're to equip God's people to sit in chairs once a week. He tells us that the, the, the uh, apostles, the uh, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, they're, they're gifts from God to equip the people to sing, to sing catchy worship songs. They're gifts from God to, to equip the people to uh, feel good about themselves. No. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are gifts from God to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to do the works of service of, for the church, to do God's work. It's not my job to do the work of the ministry. It's not my job. It's not the pastor's job. My job is to equip you to do that work, the work of the ministry. NIV says the works of service. Uh, uh, ESV says the works of the ministry. It's not my job to do the works of the ministry because everybody has a role to play in the ministry of the church. I'm called to preach the word of God to equip you to do the work of the ministry. One person can't do everything themselves because everyone's called. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Now, I keep saying it's my job to equip you. It's my job to equip you. It's my job to equip you. Well, I'm supposed to equip you for God's work. What work is that? The work of the ministry, God's work, is the spreading of the gospel, spreading the good news, that's the work that you're supposed to be doing, and that's the work I'm supposed to be equipping you to do. What's the good news? Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. 
we are made righteous in the sight of God by faith and faith alone in Jesus from start to finish. That's the good news. This is what you're being equipped for. This is the work of the ministry, and this is what each of us is called to. Equipped to spread the good news, awesome, but what does it mean to be equipped? What does it look like? Uh, If you're asking these questions right now, these are good questions to ask. What does it look like to be equipped? When we hear spread the good news or spread the gospel, I think most of the time we conjure up ideas of like preaching a message or like walking up to somebody on the street and asking them like, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Like that's what we think about when we think spreading the gospel. And, and those things can be spreading the gospel. Like I'm not trying to put those things down. Those things are necessary and, and there are people that call, are called to that. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. But um, I think there's a lot more effective way to spread the gospel. Love. Love. I said this in our Christian series a few months ago. Anytime Christians leverage anything else than anything other than love, we all lose. Love is the most effective way to spread the gospel. In all situations, loving people shows the good news. Before he ever lectured anyone, Jesus always met the needs of the people he was trying to reach. Go look it up. Before he ever lectured, anyone in the community who didn't know God or was far from God, he always met a need first. He served. He loved. So how are you being equipped? Trying to equip you to love people in all situations, in all circumstances. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. You're being equipped to love like Jesus, and I'm trying to equip you by helping you become students of the word because when we know what the word of God says we can more clearly communicate the good news we can more clearly communicate the gospel I'm trying to uh, equip us to continue to grow in in faith and grace I'm trying to equip us to be generous in everything we do because that's how our heavenly father is I'm trying to equip us to know God better, right? Know God, make him known, right? Like that whole thing. It's not just a slogan. Like I believe in that because when we know God better, we know what he cares about. And when we understand what God cares about, we begin to care about it too. Know God, make him known. Know God, make it. The more we know him, the more we care about what he cares about. That's what I'm trying to equip us to do, to know God better. When we know God better, You know that his desire is that no one should perish and that everyone should come to repentance. That's what he desires. And he wants to do that through you. He wants to bring people to repentance through you. I'm trying to equip us to know God so that we can love better so that people will be open to the gospel. I'm trying to equip us to know God so that we can love better so that people will be open to the gospel. It's this... It's this chain reaction. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And he says this in verse 29. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Not everyone's called to preach. Not everyone is called to to prophesy. Not everyone's called to perform miracles. 
but we can all serve. We can all love. We can all participate in God's work because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Worship team, you can come back to the platform. How does serving in the church spread the gospel, Pastor Ryan? Serving in the church creates a a safe atmosphere for you to be able to bring your family members who are exploring Christ. Serving in the church creates a safe atmosphere for you you to be able to bring your friends who are trying to figure out what Jesus is all about. It helps uh, when you walk... uh, Picture, picture walking up into to the building. When you walk up to the front door, what do you see? See, normally you see a, a person there smiling, ready to shake your hand. That, that's disarming. That, that is, is it, it makes you feel like you belong. That, that's, it's, it's a lot more welcoming and, and warm to see somebody who's smiling and wants to shake your hand rather than walking up to an empty door, right? It matters. And I can't commit to being posted out at the front door every week. I need you to do that because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. And then when you walk through the entrance, you, you, the, the next thing you'll see is another smiling face at that, that welcome table, right? And there's, they're posted there and they're ready to help find an answer for any question you might have. Maybe they don't have the answer, but they're going to help you find an answer. Again, it's disarming, it's comforting to know that there's somebody there waiting to help you. And I can't man the welcome table. I can't do it. I need you to. Because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. When you go to check your kids in the kids' ministry, again, you're going to be met by a couple smiling faces who are excited to see your kids, who are ready to teach your kids and ready to protect your kids. And as as a father, there's nothing... There's nothing that I love more than, than to know that there's people that love my kids too. And I, I can't do the kids' ministry thing. I can't do it. I need you to. Because everybody has a role to play in the ministry of the church. Then as you're getting ready to walk into the sanctuary, you'll see the amazing spread of coffee and cocoa and tea and pastries and fruit and all that stuff. Like, amazing. I can't do that. I don't have the capacity to take care of that every week. Like, I can't focus on that. I need you to. Because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. And then when you walk in here and you see straight chairs and you see the camera set up and the stage set up and you see the screen with, with the videos and all that, like, awesome, right? It, it looks so good. I can't help do this every week. I need you to. Because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. If we didn't have a setup and teardown team, gatherings here wouldn't happen. The setup teardown team is probably like one of the most crucial teams that we have because it allows us to gather on a weekly basis. But it's the smallest team that we have because because it's I don't know why. Maybe because there's no glory in it. Maybe because it's manual labor. I don't know. But like it's so crucial because it allows us to do this every single week. And I can't focus on this. I'm called to preach and teach. I have to focus on that. I need you to focus on this because everyone has a role to play in the ministry of the church. What if, what if we actually took this seriously? What if, what if you actually believe that everyone has a role to play? What if you believe that you have a role to play? 
that no task is greater than another task, that it all matters in advancing the kingdom of God? What if we actually started believing that? What if we got off the sideline and got into the game? God has uniquely gifted you to serve. He's uniquely gifted you to serve in a specific way, but, but I can't take that step for you. Pastor Jason can't take that step for you. No one else can take that step for you. You have to take the step to get in the game. You have to decide. Pastor Ryan, this sounds great, but I have no idea where to start. Don't worry, I got you. I have a list of the team leads, and a way to contact them so that you can take that step to get involved. Now, now I think normally in, in most situations, we would create like a sign-up sheet. And if you're interested, sign up, uh, and then the team lead will reach out to you. Well, I don't want to do that. I want to challenge you. I want you to reach out and figure out how you can get involved. First, we, we have pictures and we have... Um, we have uh, a ways to contact. First, we have Teresa. Do we have the picture? Yeah, Teresa. Teresa Pearson. She's awesome. I love Teresa. She's always looking for someone who can smile and shake hands and just be pleasant. Always. If you could do that, contact Teresa. Next, Sean Collins. I don't know if we have a picture for Sean. Oh, there it is. Yeah, good job, guys. Good job. Sean Collins. He is... Uh, he heads up our setup teardown team. I live by this, this motto. Many hands make light work. The more people we have on the setup teardown team, the, the faster and more smoothly setup and teardown will go. And again, this team is crucial to us gathering. We need this team to, to be, be healthy and thriving. If, if this is something you could do, contact Sean this week. Next, we have Chelsea. Chelsea Freeze. If you have musical talents, Chelsea and the worship team, they want you. They, they want you to get involved. They, they want you to be a part of the team. Jason and Desiree Pilgrim, if you enjoy working with teenagers, if you have a passion for working with teenagers, they could use your passion. Sarah Chantry, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Kids matter to Jesus. Kids matter to Jesus. He said, anyone who welcomes them, welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes those kids, welcomes Jesus. And anyone who welcomes Jesus, welcomes the, fa the Father. And, and as his followers, kids should matter to us too. The work that Sarah and her team does is so crucial because they're raising up, they're training, they're teaching the next generation of Christ followers. They're not, they're not babysitting. If that thought has ever crossed your mind, get that out right now. They're not babysitting. They are training up future disciples. Everyone has a role to play in the ministry of, of the church. Now, before I go any further, I have to say, I know there are many in this room who do serve. And I'm not asking you, if you already serve, I'm not asking you to do more. That's not what I'm doing. Um, there's, there's a statistic out there. I don't know how true this statistic is, but I'll cite it anyways, uh, that 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. I'm not, if you already serve, I'm not asking you to do more. What I am doing is if you're not serving, I want to challenge you. Find a place where you can get plugged in, get involved, and go all in and serve the ministry of the church because everyone has a role to play. Everyone has a role to play, and I want to challenge you to take that step and get involved. Let me pray for you this morning. 
God, we love you. We thank you um, for this word. If it was challenging, God, thank you that you want us to be better. If it um, was comforting, God, thank you. Thank you um, that we can experience comfort through the Holy Spirit. God, whatever, whatever it was, God, use it for your glory. This isn't about me. It's not about what I want. This is about your church and advancing your kingdom in Milford, advancing your kingdom in, in Delaware. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to partner with you to advance your kingdom. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, before we go into our response time, we have communion this morning. If you have your communion emblems, um, you can get those prepared right now. Um, communion is a time to remember. It's a time to remember uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. It's a, it's a time to remember the price that he paid. It's a time to remember what it did for us. On the night that he was going to be betrayed, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. When you eat it, remember me. As we partake of the, the bread together this morning, let's remember Jesus. Let's, let's partake right now. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. When we partake of it, let's remember what he did. Let's partake together. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken on my behalf. Thank you for allowing your blood to be spilled on my behalf, on our behalf, that we might know you, that we might have a relationship with you one day. Thank you, Jesus. What I want to do right now is I just want to take a few moments, and it's not going to be very long, just a couple minutes. I want to take a few moments, and I just want to respond to the Spirit of God in this moment. That can mean you sit and pray. It could mean you stand and sing. It could mean you just meditate on what you just heard. But let's not rush through this moment. Let's not... Let's not rush past what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts right now. So the worship team's gonna lead us in a song. You can stand if you'd like, you can stay seated if you'd like, but let's respond to the Spirit of God in this moment. Worship team, lead us. God, my life is an altar to you. Whatever you want, 
whatever you need from me. I lay myself down at your feet and say, have your way. Do what you will. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, um, God, that you've called us to be like you. You've called us to servanthood. I pray, God, that you would continue to teach us what that means, continue to teach us what that looks like in our own lives. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Really quickly, before we dismiss, I have a couple of next steps. And these next steps are just tangible things we can do to take the message and apply it to our life this week. And the first one is this. This week, I will contact an anchored team member and get involved in serving on a team. If, if you don't remember from the slides, we have... Um, sheets of paper at the welcome table with the team leads and their contact info. Take a picture of it with your phone and contact them this week. Figure out how you can get involved in the ministry of the church. And then this week, uh, I will memorize Ephesians 4.12. Their responsibility, mine, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Let me say one last prayer and we can be dismissed this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. Um, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And finally, may you be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And may you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming today. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.